you experience real agony, it's something hard to write about, impossible to understand while it grips you. You're frightened out of your wits, can't sit still, move, or even go decently insane. Charles Bukowski wrote that, and as a victim of sexual assault and trauma, I can say that he adeptly identified how it feels to go through something terrible. You feel like you can't do anything. You can't function. You can't process. You can't live. You can't even understand what happened to you sometimes. Now, forewarning, this episode will go into some graphic details that may be difficult for some of our listeners. So if you want to skip, that's absolutely fine. But if you want to hear about my trauma and my situation surrounding it, please continue. So, as I mentioned in the previous episodes, I was living in the barracks in San Diego on the naval base. The top floor was all Coast Guard, and the bottom 11 floors were all Navy. And I had gotten in trouble for damaging the barracks, and I was stuck on the boat, and I did not have a way forward, really. I was just working, I was keeping my head low, I stayed sober for a while, I wasn't drinking at all, but it didn't last long. I started hanging out with the the crowd again and started drinking, not as heavily, but I was still drinking beers after work and things like that. And I can't place exactly when this happened, what month even, what day. I I can't. I've listened to different stories of trauma since this, and it makes sense. Uh, What a lot of people do is they forget. They forget to protect themselves. They forget to... To, to deny what happened to them. They, they can't process it at the time. So it, it dies inside them somewhere. It dies inside your memory. And certain details are gone. And sometimes little things do come back to me, but the specific details as far as when it happened, who exactly was there, where I was, don't, don't exist in my brain anymore. And if they do, they're deeply, deeply... Uh, repressed. I cannot access those memories. But what happened to me was one day, I, I think it was after work, maybe on the weekend, I can't remember, but one of my shipmates from the chase, I didn't really know him that well. He was pretty new to the boat as well, but I, we weren't really good friends. But he was older, I believe he was over 21, and he said he had some some other friends that he'd met that would like to have a few beers if we, you know, uh, they had like a 12-pack of beer. If we want to hang out, just have a few beers and talk. And I said, sure. You know, I was done with work. I was, whatever I was doing, I don't remember. But free beer, you got me, you know. <laughs> I'm going to be there. And I, I, the details are fuzzy, but what happened was he invited me down to one of the floors below. So one of the 11 Navy floors, and I can't remember which floor. And I met him and at least two other people. I may have been three. I can't remember. Um, Navy sailors. I said they were Navy sailors. They definitely weren't from my my boat. Um, And they weren't from the Hamilton, from the other Coast Guard boat. So most likely they were actually Navy sailors. And we just started talking. You know, we were standing in the hallway. There's a long hallway with doors on either sides of it for the different rooms. And we were the only people there. It was quiet. But they offered me beer. They gave me uh, a 
Bud Light, I believe it was, in a solo cup, in a plastic cup. And I, to this day, I, I sometimes I try to remember what we talked about or what they said, but I it just, it's all ether at this point. But I do remember holding a blue cup and I remember drinking from it. And I took a few sips and it was not long at all that everything started blurring around me. Everything lost focus. Everything was very hazy. Um, I couldn't see and I started to stumble. And one of the Navy guys got from behind me and grabbed my shoulders and said, here we go. And they popped open the door next to them into one of the rooms and dragged me in. I don't remember anything I do remember a few things. I do remember the room was empty and that there was furniture, but there was no belongings. It was an empty room. There were no posters, no clothes, no nothing in the bathroom or anything like that. It was an empty room. There were two beds like every other room and and it was uh at that time <clears throat> I remember they uh they pushed me onto the bed. And I tried to talk. I remember that. I remember trying to talk. And nothing would come out. And obviously they had roofied me or gave me some kind of drug in my drink where I, I was a zombie. I, I couldn't function. I couldn't move. And I just remember trying to say the word stop or no. And my face was pressed against this mattress. And the mattress, I still remember... The detail on the mattress, I remember it was like a blue mattress with white stitching and little floral designs inside, uh, little diamonds. And I remember the wallpaper next to the bed. I remember it had vertical stripes on it. It was grayish in color. And fortunately, or maybe unfortunately, I don't remember much of the actual rape itself. But it was those three, at least three of those guys, the two sailors and the Coastie, and I'm not sure if there were more people in the room. I couldn't tell you. Um, and I've racked my brain for years over this since, and I'll talk about it in the future episode of when I finally came out with everything, but I don't remember at the moment. You know, it was, I know I was incapacitated. I know that they had their way with me and it must have been sometime later after they left um, but again this is definitely a fog because I was so drugged out and, and also from the repression from my memory but I was very drugged out and I remember getting dressed I remember putting my pants back on I was wearing a light blue underwear I think it was the same underwear I had in boot camp but I remember the feeling of that underwear as I put it back on and I somehow made it back to my room I don't remember walking up there I don't remember if I took the stairs at the end of the hallway or if I took an elevator I somehow made it back to my room and I believe I just went to sleep I believe or maybe I took a shower again it's all it's all just very very fuzzy it's very hazy I can't remember the details of it 
And the next day, I went in to work. I went on the cutter. And this is the last thing I remember even relating to the rape. Was I went to the head, I went to the toilet to sit down. I remember going, using the bathroom, and I remember wiping, and blood was all over my tissue, over the toilet paper. And subconsciously, or even consciously in my mind, I remember putting that toilet paper into the toilet, flushing it, and locking that away deep inside of me. Very, very deep, even deeper than I knew I could. I denied everything in that moment, that anything had happened to me, that anything bad could have happened to me. And I did it, and as I learned years later through therapy, I did it because of survival. My reality could not comprehend what had happened to me. I could not face it as a 20-year-old kid, maybe still 19, I can't remember exactly when, but I could not face that in that moment. And in order to survive, the life on the boat, my job, myself, my own anxieties, my own depression that already existed in some forms, I had to put that in a little tiny box and shove it way down inside of me. And that's exactly what I did. And I just went back to work. And I don't remember anything other than that about my rape other than there's things that happened to me physically later, some problems, and I'll get into that in the next couple of episodes. But I completely denied what had happened to me. And it was the only thing I could do to carry on. I didn't have the strength to tell anybody, to tell a friend, to tell a superior, to tell a chief, to tell an officer, to tell my captain, to tell the barracks police, the base police. I. I, there was no way I could possibly do that. That would mean that I was weak and that I was going to get in trouble and I would lose my job and they would think I was a homosexual or whatever, you know. And at that time, we still had don't ask, don't tell. And that was terrifying. Not that I am a homosexual, not that there's anything wrong with that, but if that was even a suspicion, you could get kicked out of the service for that at the time. And I just buried that so hard, so fast. It was milliseconds within wiping myself and flushing that toilet. And off I went, you know, and I continued my life on the boat. But the rest of my time on the boat is very hazy. It's, I, my memory from that time on for the next several years is pretty bad. I. I don't want to get too much into it right now. This is more just about the assault. But further on, over the next couple of years, I, I just um, suppressed it and with different things, and I ignored it. But I had to, at that moment, just to survive. And it's terrifying to think of it that way, but it's true. And I don't want to get political or anything on this, but when you hear these things on the news about sexual assault survivors and they can't remember details and they can't remember certain things and they take years for them to come out with it. And 
it makes perfect sense to me as a survivor. But then you see all these politicians and celebrities and people making fun of them and putting them down and ridiculing them and blaming the victims and all of that is toxic and it's wrong and it's disgusting. And not that I can verify every case or every story that's out there, but I do believe that people can suppress and they can forget a lot about trauma, and a lot of things that happened to them in their lives. And unfortunately, it benefits the perpetrators. It benefits those that prey on the weak because they know this. And even at that time when this happened to me almost 20 years ago, those people knew they could get away with this. They knew that they could do this to a young E3 who was already on the fence, already on watch for getting in trouble. I was a prime candidate for this. I was open. I was wide open. And they swooped in and they took it. They took their chance and they they uh, they got away. And we'll talk more about getting away in future episodes about as far as an investigation and things like that. But it all comes out, you know, it all, it's all very hard even now to think about and to talk about. It's much easier. There was a time when I couldn't even tell a friend or tell anybody. And here I am making a podcast about it for the whole world to hear. So it is possible to come through, but it took me a long time. And I'll definitely talk about mental health and care and self-awareness in future episodes. That's what we're going to get to. We're going to get to the hopeful side of all this and to the side where we talk about life and beauty and positivity and healing because that does exist. Um, fortunately, these terrible things also happen, not just to me. Of course, I know that. And that's, I hope that people can hear this story and maybe shed light on their own or share it with others to prevent these things from happening. I, I think about it now constantly with my boys, my young boys are 10 and 11 and they're going to be at that age before too long. You know, they're going to be off either to college or work or maybe military or whatever they choose to do. And I... I think about how to tell them this and how hopefully they can learn from what happened to me. Not that it was my fault. I don't blame myself anymore for what happened. But how to protect themselves and God forbid if something terrible does happen to them, how to handle it and how to not put up with abuse and not to put up with being threatened or terrorized or doing anything that makes them uncomfortable. And I think if I had that strength at that age, even if this had happened to me, I would have stood up for myself. But unfortunately, that's not how I was. I wasn't prepared to do this, to handle that level of trauma. So thank you for listening. I will post this episode, and please, if you are able to listen, again, the warning at the beginning, I... If people want to turn away from it, that's fine. I don't, don't judge you for that. It is hard to listen. It's hard to tell it. But 
if you do have any comments or questions or, or anything, please send me a message directly. I, I'll, I'll do my best to answer and I'll, uh, I'll be there for you guys as well. So, again, thank you for listening. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and for being part of this. Love to you all and uh, take care of yourselves. I'm